My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. Every morning, we at the clinic start the same way. At 8 a.m. sharp, all 58 employees are called in from the waiting room, from the doctor's rooms, from the administration area, and outside. We have a morning huddle of all hands. This includes myself and Hannah, but everyone else is Haitian. Our medical director, myself, our chief nurse and chief administrator, we all speak and we talk about the plan for the day. We discuss any mobile clinics or special programs that we have planned, and then we pray. Each morning, a different employee prays. This can range from our medical director to a nurse to a janitor, all the way to a driver, from those with education all the way to our employees who cannot read and write. Maybe you are neither Christian nor religious. No worries, you're welcome here. But I want to take an episode to talk about the contents of those prayers and what we can learn from them. As the employee prays, invariably, there will be a prayer for the security situation of the country. For the last two years, kidnappings and violence have been rampant. Just last month, a priest and several nuns were kidnapped in our town and held for two weeks for ransom. Doctors have been targeted across the capital. Even police are taken. And we often only hear about the notable cases. Many of our employees have had family members kidnapped and held for smaller ransom. Even $1,000, which may be the collective savings of the person's church and community. No one prays without asking for protection. Next, the employee will pray for Haiti as a whole. They'll say that Haiti is an impoverished country, and they will ask for God's mercy. They will ask for help for the poor, for enough food. As I've mentioned before, Haiti produces only about 40% of its food needs. The ground is rocky and mountainous. Most people eke by, but there are many that fall behind. Rarely do I hear a prayer that does not ask for help for the destitute of the country. And then, generally, the employee will pray for our clinic that the leaders would have wisdom in their decisions, that the doctors and nurses would be able to see the patients and know how to cure their illnesses, that the patients would feel better and be healed. What strikes me about the prayers of the people is their physicality. They pray about things in the here and now, things that they need. People pray for food, medicine, security. Many of my Haitian friends will spend an hour each morning in prayer. Take, for instance, Carmel, our clinic founder. She will spend the morning praying for all the members of her family, the clinic, and then for me and Hannah. She will pray for all the aspects of her life, all the challenges. Despite the physicality, the prayer is not simply a list of demands. When an employee prays for the health of patients, they will usually add that God is the ultimate healer, not the doctor. They say that God is all-powerful, and they know that Haiti is in his hands. They ask that his will be done. But however it is expressed, Haitian prayers are more material more tangible than I'm used to. In the United States, I hear a variety of styles of prayer, but they are generally more, and I'll put this in quotes, spiritual in nature. We may not ask for anything. We may simply commune with God. We may pray that God's will be done, but not really ask for anything specific. Or the focus of our prayer may be more on feelings, that we would feel peace or we would feel forgiven. I think these prayers can be powerful, but not alone. When we do not pray for definite earthly things, we miss something. I only say this after spending more than a year listening to the prayers of a different culture. When we do not pray for the sick, for the needy, for our food and our safety, our spirituality can feel divorced from our everyday life. It can feel like our relationship with God exists on a different plane, rarely interacting with our Monday to Saturday, minute-by-minute experience. 
I want to read a passage from the Screwtape Letters that helped illuminate this for me. For those of you that don't know, the Screwtape Letters is a short book by C.S. Lewis that describes how Christians can be led astray. Midway through the book, Lewis says, On the seemingly pious ground that praise and communion with God is the true prayer, humans can often be lured into direct disobedience to God, who, in his usual, commonplace way, has definitely told them to pray for their daily bread and the recovery of their sick. Lewis goes on to say that some of us tend not to pray for specific things because we don't really believe in prayer. We think if we pray for something and it happens, well, it probably would have happened anyway. And if it doesn't, it's just one more proof that prayer doesn't do anything. I would add to this that many in the United States don't feel an acute need for prayer. We might have enough food. Although there's crime, rarely do we go to work feeling there's a strong possibility of bodily harm. Until we develop cancer or another serious illness, we may not contemplate our temporary place in this world. And so we focus on the spiritual and feelings. And we may even look down on those who pray for such material things as money for rent, school fees, or enough food. We may ask ourselves, doesn't this person know that God's will will be done regardless of what they say? Why do they want such earthly things? And yet, As we read the New Testament, as Lewis states, we see that Jesus models a care for material concerns. He heals the sick. He does not simply pray that they would feel closer to God. Certainly, he cares about that too, but when someone is suffering, he works to heal it. Even though he can multiply loaves and feed the 5,000, he asks for his daily bread right there in the Lord's Prayer. He wants us to know the importance of relying on him for our routine needs. I think Haitians get closer to the mark. Their faith is not simply in their heads but it is connected to the everyday struggles and triumphs. We should make the somewhat obvious point that most Americans are insulated from some of the life-threatening challenges of an average Haitian, but this does not mean it does not apply to us. We all have or will have family members who are sick, poor amongst us, friends with addictions. And yes, our faith, our relationship with God is not simply help for this world. We should all commune with God, pray for more faith, more wisdom, But God has chosen for us to be here on this earth and to interact with it. When we are hungry or scared, we are told to pray to him. When Jesus was afraid in the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought it before God. The model that we see in him over and over is that we should approach prayer, one, with a sense of thankfulness for what has been provided, and then two, we are to ask for what we need, and then lastly, three, we are to entrust ourselves to the Lord's will. Asking for definite requests and then remembering the times that the Lord has provided allows us to live a life of gratitude. When we fail to ask for our daily meals, we often take them for granted. In the United States, and even now in Haiti, I rarely am thankful for the food that I eat. I never really ask for it. For me, it is an expectation that this would not be an issue. And yet, this is not the model in the Bible. The daily practice of asking and then receiving reminds us that we are not in control. The daily practice of gratefulness for provision reinforces this. There is one last lesson that I've learned from listening to Haitian prayers. It is the simple fact that I can learn something from the faith of Haitians. Often, we in the Western world come to poorer places and want to teach people about God and faith. We have access to hundreds of translations of the Bible and the theological discourses of teachers for the last 2,000 years. We can quickly research the etymology of the word hope or the context of the epistles of Paul. And yet, Jesus tells us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. If theirs is indeed the kingdom of God, that means that the poor have every right to be our teachers. We have much to learn from them. The faith that can keep going to church every week amid kidnappings and shootings. The resoluteness of a single mother who every day must go out and find food for her children. 
the generosity of impoverished people giving what little they have. They have much to impart to us. Ultimately, we are all part of one church, bonded together even across nations. We each have something to teach each other. And the next time you pray, I encourage you to consider praying for the things in this world, the challenges you will face in the day to come, just as your brothers and sisters in Haiti do every day. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We would like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. And there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.